Hello, my rebels. Today I give you a bit of a Canada Day show. And I talk about how cancel culture is replacing the liberal value of patriotism. Liberals used to fly the flag. In fact, they changed Canada's flag to look like their party colors. But now they're canceling things, putting flags at half-mast. I don't know. I'll, I'll give you my thoughts on it. And if the battle is hopeless or if there's a chance, we'll turn it around. Before I get to that, let me invite you to become a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. That's the video version of this podcast. Plus, it gives you access to other great shows, too. Eight bucks a month, just to go to rebelnews.com. If you buy a whole year in advance, it's just 80 bucks for the whole year, which is a discount. All right, here's today's podcast. Tonight, forget about trying to say Dominion Day. I don't even know if Canada Day will be around for long. It's July 1st, and this is the Ezra Levant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I publish it is because it's my bloody right to do so. It's July 1st. Some folks call it Dominion Day, which is the legal name for Canada, the Dominion of Canada. That's too old-fashioned, and it evokes something majestic, maybe even holy. So it's been changed to Canada Day, just like our flag was changed to the Pearson pennant to have the right Liberal Party colors. But that was a different era. Pearson may have been a globalist, but I think he did love Canada. Pierre Trudeau, who, like Jean Chrétien, came from Pearson's government, was a communist and a globalist, but I think he loved Canada in addition to loving China and the Soviet Union and Cuba. I, I think Trudeau, at the least, you know, stood up for Canada. He fought against Quebec separatism. He fought against the United States. Maybe those were negative fights rather than being positively pro-Canada. But I just can't imagine that Pierre Trudeau or Jean Chrétien would be as hostile to the spirit of Canada as... Trudeau's dullard son, Trudeau, has become Justin Trudeau. Justin Trudeau uh, ordered the flag to be at half-mast on Parliament Hill today for Canada Day. Was it out of solidarity with the half-dozen-plus churches that have been torched in the last week, a national crime wave of hate crimes and arson? I'm kidding, of course not. He hasn't even said a word about it. The flag is at half-mast not because of this Kristallnacht of churches, but because of unmarked graves at various former Indian residential schools in Canada, including some that his father, Pierre Trudeau, would have presided over when he was prime minister. Those are unmarked graves, but they're not mass graves. They're graves of children who died across the decades at these boarding schools, these residential schools. According to the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, half of these kids died from tuberculosis. A hundred years ago, life expectancy was much lower than it is now. Hygiene, food, health, medicine was poor, and these schools did not have proper resources. It was not good at all. But this is not 2021 news. The Truth and Reconciliation Committee full report went into the details of the deaths, the deaths of these schools at great length when they published their report in 2015. So why the cancellation of Canadian symbols now, six years later? Stephen Harper gave a formal apology for government's role. 
Mr. Speaker, I stand before you today to offer an apology to former students of Indian residential schools. The treatment of children in Indian residential schools is a sad chapter in our history. Trudeau never to be outdone for apologizing for someone else's sins. I've never actually seen Trudeau apologize for himself. Trudeau gave his apology too. Today, I humbly stand before you to offer a long overdue apology to the former students of the Lockwood School in Cartwright, the Makovic Boarding School, the Nain Boarding School, the St. Anthony Orphanage and Boarding School, and the Yale School in Newfoundland and Labrador on behalf of the Government of Canada and all Canadians. So, Truth and Reconciliation commissioned out in 2015, apologies from Harper and Trudeau. So why is the flag being lowered today? Why are Canada Day celebrations being cancelled across the country? Why are statues of any sort and all sorts being defaced or taken down? Not just Sir John A. Macdonald, We've, we're long past that, but really anyone. All statues from earlier eras that weren't woke enough. Uh, weirdly, the Norman Bethune statue, you know, that collaborated with the Chinese Communists, it's not taken down. Same with Tommy Douglas and his statue. There's a lot to quarrel with with Tommy Douglas. He was for eugenics back when the Nazis were making that vogue. He wrote his university thesis on sterilizing people who were subhuman. And he wasn't too woke on gays. If ever we needed in this country to adopt a new attitude to homosexuality, this is the time. Uh, instead of treating it as a crime and driving it underground, we ought to recognize it for what it is. It's a, it's a mental illness. It's a psychiatric condition which ought to be treated sympathetically, which ought to be treated by psychiatrists and social workers. And, of course, there's Pierre Trudeau, the master of these residential schools. Why aren't his Trudeau statues being taken down? I wonder why those leftist icons aren't being smashed. I suspect it's because conservatives generally don't try to smash history. Conserve history, maybe learn from it, but smash it? Mm, doesn't sound conservative. There's no perfect country in the world, by the way. I think I criticize Canada more than most people do. But the alternative to Canada isn't some fantasy utopia. It doesn't exist. It's, it's one of the 200 other countries in the world. What's better? Which place is better? I like a lot of things about America, by the way. But if you're worried about residential schools and the treatment of Indians on reserve, I don't think you'll prefer America's history with Aboriginal people. They, they have a whole history called the Indian Wars. You might want to learn about that. This is an actual mass grave at Wounded Knee in South Dakota. Don't read that story if you're hard of if you have a soft constitution. I should tell you, Aboriginal people haven't fared much better anywhere in the Americas either. It's, if it's a slave history you're worried about, interested in, concerned about, know that Canada banned the slave trade well over 200 years ago. We were part of the British Empire that literally sent Navy ships to intercept and free slave ships for half a century, rescuing countless thousands. Tell me a continent that hasn't had slavery, going back to the beginning of Recorded history from Egypt to China to Africa to Rome to Greece to the Mongols. There was quite a bit of slavery in the Americas before the arrival of Columbus, I might add. So I don't think it's enough to tear down or to hate. Show me your alternative. Show me a perfect society.
There is no such place. Utopia is a word that literally means no place. It's an impossible state of perfection. Dystopia. Now that's easier to find, isn't it? I note that most people who are tearing things down in Canada seem to be people who take things for granted. I'm pleased to say from my own personal observation that people who come here as immigrants usually have a sense of gratitude about being here, or if not gratitude towards Canadians or Canada itself, they're just glad to be out of where they came from. It's woke white liberals, typically in academic or other luxurious professions, who've dreamed up this anti-Western ideology. My worry is that they are quickly indoctrinating otherwise grateful immigrants to Canada to have a sense of grievance against our own country, like the woke professors themselves have. They're training these newcomers in the most Western of traditions, self-hate. I'm worried about that. I even see it in cabin. I put Trudeau, Justin Trudeau, as one of these fancy, luxurious self-haters. He's had all the privileges and benefits of society, but he hates society. You know, Ahmed Hassan, the, the cabinet minister, Trudeau cabinet minister, he, he doesn't let a week go by when he doesn't condemn Canadians as racist hate mongers. He really is the worst, even though we saved his life. He came here as a refugee fleeing Somalia. We saved his life, so he says. But he hates us and says so every week or so, but he wasn't always that way. Here is a clip of Ahmed Hassan before he even became an MP. And he said something that was amazing. He said it's better to be Muslim in Canada than in any other Muslim country. Take a look. The fact lost on many Muslims, including Canadian Somalis, that it is countries like the United States and Canada uh, that guarantee human rights and uh, f uh, religious freedoms, that we can actually practice our faith uh, best in these sorts of environment. Uh, the civil rights of our community members must be protected, but uh, obviously it's also equally important to disseminate these integration-friendly messages in order to contribute to a process where our communities emphasize the defense and attachment to the countries of Canada and the United States. That's the love, or at least the gratitude, or at least the honesty about Canada that I think many newcomers have, until it's beaten out of them by politicians and activists and professors, or until Trudeau says, no, 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 we can make a real go of this division under lines of race and sex. Trouble is, as we rush to tear down so many things, we forget how hard it was to build them up in the first place. I sometimes think about how easy it is to, to break something like a light bulb compared to how hard it would be to make something like a light bulb and how many centuries and generations went into conceiving it and perfecting it. How hard was it to build a liberal democratic society like ours? Rule of law, high trust, honesty, hard work, property rights, safety, happiness, property, upward mobility, meritocracy. How hard? How many generations toiled? How many wars fought to give us what we have now? And I'm talking about going back even before Canada was around, going back to the Magna Carta, even before that. Now, because we've had two generations of luxury and ease, we've forgotten that. So we're happy to trade it away so cheaply, to give away so easily what was won so hard. And we're not lost yet. Trudeau benefits from hating Canada. So does the media. So do many paid lobbyists. So do many brainwashed students. But so far, normal people are still normal. They don't hate Canada or themselves yet. But it's possible to teach a country to hate itself. We're far down the road. Teach a country to hate itself once it does, it generally doesn't last long. 
but we're not past the turning point yet. Stay with us for more. Almost every day, another church in Canada is burnt to the ground, or at least vandalized. I think we're over half a dozen now across the country, some on Indian Reserve, some in cities, some in the middle of almost nowhere. One thing in common, they're churches and they're being attacked. Well, who could be fomenting an anti-church drumbeat right now? Well, Justin Trudeau himself demanding that the Pope come to Canada and apologize for Indian residential schools that were ruled, authorized, and paid for by the government of Canada itself. By the way, his own father, Pierre Trudeau, was prime minister for many of those years. Now, as you know, Stephen Harper made a formal public apology on behalf of the government of Canada, and Justin Trudeau did the same again several years later, the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, which was a seven-year, multi-million dollar enterprise that made a lot of lawyers and bureaucrats rich. I'm not sure if it helped ordinary Aboriginal people. It actually had a whole volume on the children of these residential schools and mentioned in great detail the nature of the deaths, the cause of the deaths, tuberculosis being the leading one. I believe that malnutrition and lack of resources and lack of medicine was a serious contributing factor to the tuberculosis deaths of these kids. I also know that 100 years ago, public health is not what it is today. I'm not downplaying the deaths of these children. I'm simply pointing out that it is not a shocking surprise in 2021. They've been known about for many years and documented in hundreds of pages in the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. Why? Is Justin Trudeau deciding now to pull down the flag on Canada Day? Well, after nearly a week of silence on the burning churches, he made a statement, and if you time it yourself, you'll see that he dealt with these six, seven burnt churches in 16 seconds flat. Here, take a listen. Hey, I also want to talk about the arson and vandalism we're seeing across the country targeted at Catholic churches. This is not the way to go. The destruction of places of worship is unacceptable, and it must stop. It's not the way to go. <laughs> well, you're telling them there. You're, it's not the way to go, man. It's just not the way to go. And then he immediately pivots and says, well, we have to, we have to address your underlying grievance. Could you imagine any other religion, Jewish synagogues, Muslim mosques, if not one, not two, three, four, five, six, seven, were torched in a spree, if Trudeau would have remained silent for a week and then spoken for 16 seconds and saying, it's not the way to go, man, but I'll address your grievances. That is a crime wave. It's a hate crime wave. And I can assure you that if it were, be, were in another religion, Trudeau would call it a terrorist crime wave. Well, joining us now is one of our favorite people, Drea Humphrey, our West Coast reporter who actually went to Kamloops and Soyuz to talk to people on reserve and to investigate the site of two of these church burnings. Dre, great to see you. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so glad the work you're doing 
going right onto the reserve. So much of the reporting on these stories is done from Toronto or maybe from Vancouver, but not on the ground. We enjoyed your in-depth broadcast about the Kamloops uh, story that set off this uh, new series of stories. Can you tell us what you saw when you went to visit two of these burnt churches in the BC interior in recent days? Well, it was quite eye-opening. What we wanted to figure out was exactly what did these churches mean to the community? Because you could see anything from people on Twitter sort of justifying it and the silence from, you know, politicians, our leader, uh, was almost deafening. So we went, and the first one we went to was located in Oliver, B.C., and it was won by a grave site. So you could see that, you know, the Indigenous community had been using it for funerals and things like that. But uh, we had heard that it wasn't used even prior to life with COVID-19. It was sort of um, just abandoned. But it is historical, as are many of the churches that have been burnt. Uh, then we went to the Sacred Heart location, which is in Penticton. Now, this one... Uh, was in fact being used before COVID-19. And the hereditary chief there, uh, Chief Adam, he told us that there was actually discussion about whether or not it was going to open now that people are allowed to gather um, as well. And it was attended to by Indigenous Christians. Well, that's what's so obvious when... I was watching some of your footage, and, and I know you put together a wonderful documentary. I, uh, by the time this show airs, I think we'll have released it. Um, who, I mean, I, I would say to Toronto dwellers, big city dwellers, who do you think is using these churches in 2021 that are on reserve and near reserve, other than Indigenous people, including Indian band members? It's the place for your cycle of life events, a birth, a death, uh, a wedding, a celebration. There's daycares nearby. There's fields. You know, there's so many things. It's, it's the center of a town, of an Indian reserve. Um, let's just play a short clip of some of the uh, local Indian band members you spoke to who spoke quite emotionally about the church. Here's one man, and tears were brought to his eyes when he, talk, when he was talking about how much he loved that church. Here's a clip from your recent trip there. My mommy got me. I loved that church. I loved it. And I don't like seeing it all pile of crap. I hope they rebuild or do something. Man, everyone got married and buried in that church. Everybody. Right from my grandpas to my uncles and aunts. It was a good place for me. I thought that was a very touching moment. And even those who criticize the Catholic religion and criticize residential schools, and I can understand both of those criticisms, they loved the church. It was part of their community. It was built by them, and it was run by them. Well, you know, I can't help but make the parallel to the Black Lives Matter riot uh, when the death of George Floyd happened there was a vast majority, a consensus that, you know, having your knee on someone's neck for eight minutes is disgusting. It's shameful. We all thought it was wrong. And then yet, instead of just moving forward with that, we start to see riots happening in Black-owned communities, 
black businesses, black houses being damaged. And I feel like that's what's happening here as well on the First Nation Reserve land in the middle of summer in a desert-like atmosphere where Indigenous families live right next door to that church. Someone's setting them fire. And that's where, as we're told from the people that we interviewed, that's where, you know, their grandparents willingly went to church, their uncles, their aunts, that's where they had to go when they were young. And there were good memories mm-hmm. at that Sacred Heart Church. And the priest was welcome as well into the community. Yeah, You're, that's a great analogy is how does burning down a black owned business in a black part of town help Black Lives Matter? How does burning down the center of the community and in, in a, in a uh, reserve help the local members. Um, I think it's uh, atrocious what's happening. I don't know who's behind it. I want to let our viewers know that we've set up a very small website called findthearsonist.com. It's probably more than one person, frankly, but findthearsonist.com. And I put up a $10,000 bounty for information leading to his arrest. And I'm not gonna crowdfund that money. I'm not gonna use rebel money for it. I'm just gonna put up my own dough. I didn't tell my wife, Drea, before I decided <laughs> to do that. So don't tell her I've done this, but I'm serious. I, uh, I'm i so upset by this, by what's happening, but I have to tell you, as much as I'm upset for these churches being burnt, which is terrible, I'm upset about how tepid the reaction to it is from everyone who's supposed to be on guard from the police mm-hmm. and, and from Justin Trudeau in his 16 seconds of hey guys that's not the way man and I just feel like if if this were a mosque you would have the anti-terrorism squad on it you would have the RCMP you would have a national day of emergency or something I don't know it just would be treated like a crime wave that it is it's barely mentioned by Trudeau for 16 seconds and I, I don't think it's going to stop, by the way. Mm-hmm. Well, and not to mention the 16-second mention, but it took, I believe, eight churches to go up in flames for him to say anything. I mean, that's insane. You know, one, it could be circumstantial, maybe two, uh, it's hot out. But eight, it yeah. takes us that long yeah. to hear from our prime minister. You know, uh, Sheila Gunn-Reed, our colleague, uh, made a remark on Twitter I thought was pithy. She said, maybe we can take some of these police that are on mask patrol and mm-hmm. maybe put them <laughs> onto uh, guarding some churches. I think she was actually referring to uh, the cops who were seizing the Grace Life Church in Edmonton. How about protecting some churches instead of prosecuting them? That's how it used to be. She, uh, Dre, I want to say I'm really thrilled about the work you've been doing on reserve One of my favorite things about how Rebel News has been operating in the last few years is that we have a real bias towards going there. Sure, we give our opinions from our studios or from our homes or whatever, but so often when there's a story, we fly there, we drive there, we interview real people, and one of our mottos is follow the facts wherever they lead. And and in your work, I think we got a full story. People who have mixed memories about the residential schools, they, they love the... They love certain memories of it, and others were, were uh, terrible. But the, the only person in all of your reports that I saw that was happy about the burning was some woke white woman 
who, who sort of said, that's karma. So she was fine burning down an Aboriginal church to show her solidarity with Aboriginal people. It, it, it wasn't surprising me that the one woke white liberal you spoke with was the one, was the one person who was happy with things. I thought that was just telling. Last word to you, Drea. Well, you, you know, we're obviously going to be following this story closely. And I just want to say what an honor it is to be part of the rebel team that is, uh, you know, giving a voice when no one wants to give a voice about churches burning, places of worship burning in Canada. So it helps uh, me be able to sleep at night. Well, I'm, I'm very glad to hear you say that. And I feel like it's a special mission for Rebel News. I'm a Jew myself, as people know. Um, but I feel like, I mean, I, I think back, whenever I go to the Holocaust Museum in uh, Israel, there's a garden uh, called the for the righteous Gentiles. That's a phrase that's used for the Christians who saved Jews. Some yeah. of them saved just one. Some, like Oscar Schindler, saved a great number. And that always left a deep impression on me. And I'm not comparing the burning of eight churches to the Holocaust, but there is a parallel. The demonization of churches first comes burning the buildings, then comes burning the people. I mean, there was a Kristallnacht in 1938, the night of the broken glass. And I feel like um, we need to stand up for Christians who are being persecuted. It's, sometimes we find it easier to do that when they're being persecuted in China or Iraq but surely we should be just as vocal when it's happening in our own country. So I'm glad you're out there on the ground doing that reporting. And I believe it's important, not only that we report, but I really do want to catch someone. I'm hoping that a $10,000 reward is enough to make someone say, you know what, I'll take the cash. I'm going to, I'm going to turn in someone who did it. Hopefully, maybe someone who was involved in it. Maybe there's no honor among thieves. Maybe someone will turn in, you know, his buddy who did it. Um, I just hope someone stops it because it, it looks like it's speeding up. Anyhow, that's enough from me. But Drea, great work from you. And uh, I look forward to uh, all of our viewers watching your on-the-ground reports from the BC interior. So thanks, my friend. Thanks, everyone. All right, there you have it. Drea Humphrey, who, of course, is one of our star journalists based in Vancouver, has been doing excellent work on Indian reserves in recent weeks. Stay with us. More ahead. Well, it's Canada Day or Dominion Day. I don't know what Trudeau would propose to call it. Black Lives Matter Day or I don't know more day or let's just celebrate Justin Trudeau Day. I don't know. He, he's, he's got a vanity we haven't seen since, well, the previous Trudeau. And he smashed a lot of icons in this country. He destroyed a lot of institutions. I think uh, Justin Trudeau picked up that narcissism and nihilism from his dad. But we're not done yet as a country. I think things are bad. Uh, the lockdown made everything worse, but it's not time to give up yet. We still got fight in us. Canada, by the way, is more than just its government, too, I should say. That's our show for today. Until tomorrow, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, to you at home, good night, and keep fighting for freedom.